Hey Coastal, my name is Gene Cornett. I am the lead campus pastor here at Bethany Place in Richmond. For more than a year, I've been praying and seeking God about his direction for us here at Bethany Place relative to a relationship with Coastal. And I'm encouraged about several aspects of that. I've been moved by the joy and the humility I sense in your leaders. I'm hopeful about the intentional training for our leaders. I'm encouraged by the clear and direct paths I see for volunteer engagement for our members here. I'm excited to be a part of a clear strategy to connect, grow, serve, and multiply. And I'm encouraged about just relational partners for us here at Bethany Place. So for all of these reasons, we're excited about the future and we look forward to partnering with you for the sake of the gospel here in Richmond. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 119. We're continuing on in our study. And um, by means of introduction, I want to kind of give you a, um, I'm going to read it here in a second, but I want to give you kind of an idea of the way that it's set up. In Psalm 119, you have, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, and each one has above it, they have a little letter um, or word from the Hebrew alphabet. So you have Alf, um, if you look at the very beginning, and then we have Bet and Gimel and Daleth. And you're looking at it and you're saying, what are those words? Those are Hebrew letters. And each of those letters or words actually has a specific meaning. And when you're reading, understand that the definition of that word gives you kind of an idea of what the text is for that section. So I don't know if you understood that, but it's really neat. It would be like taking um, us and our alphabet and going through A to Z, and each letter has a meaning or a name um, or an understanding or a definition with it, and then that us writing a verse or writing something about that meaning. And so as we're talking about it, and the way that he talks about it is the way that the Word of God intersects our life. Now, a lot of, a lot of scholars, a lot of Jewish um, scholars believe that David wrote this to his son Solomon while he was still alive so that he could communicate how the Word of God would in, impact and intersect his life. So Psalm 119, there's three sections we're going to look at today, verse uh, 9 through 32. Let me read it. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. 
You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments, take away from me scorn and contempt. For I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Daleth. Verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Let's pray. Precious Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Lord God, that if we hide your word in our heart, that we won't sin against you. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is a sharp and powerful double-edged sword, and it divides between the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit, Lord. We thank you that your word transforms us and conforms us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, I pray that we would not be hearers of the word only, but we doers of your word. I pray that you would teach us your word in this passage. God, that we would not walk out of here the same people. That we would not try to, to, to do anything. But Lord God, that we would allow your spirit and your word to wash over us, to transform us into Christ. Precious Father, we love you. We need you. And as always, Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Give you a little background about myself. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was um, a Calvinist, reformed in the sense of every word, and my mom was charismatic in a very, very charismatic way. And um, so that left me confused um, because the way that my dad saw the Scripture and the way my mom saw the Scripture were two totally different ways. And what happened was, as I was growing up, my parents would constantly tell me, go back to the Scripture, go back to the Scripture, go back to what the Word of God says. That's the source of all truth. That's the source of everything. And as I started going to church, and I would see people coming into church, I felt like I was missing something. And I don't know, maybe you don't feel this, but I always did. When I came in, everybody was so happy. And I felt like the Word of God worked for them. But it didn't work for me. And in fact, when I was distraught, or I was upset, or I was angry, or things weren't working for me, people would give me a verse, and it was supposed to make everything better, like, poof, oh, I feel so much better. 
You know, you, you, someone, someone close to you betrays you, and you're angry, and you come to church, and, and you've got that, that, that well-meaning Christian that gives you that verse, and all of a sudden you're supposed to feel better, and you're like, ah, oh, thanks, I feel so much better. God bless you. Get out of my face. Because, and you're like, wait, wait, I thought the word of God is supposed to work in my life. It works in everybody else's life, but it doesn't work in mine. And that was the way that I felt growing up in the church. And, and, and all of a sudden, I realized something, though. That the word of God doesn't exist for the Christian to change my behavior. The word of God exists so God can use it to transform me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, it's transformation through confirmation. He's conforming me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And he uses the word of God to do it. And so I want to I kind of unpack this passage of scripture for you. And, and by means of introduction, write this down if you want to take notes. We live in a polluted world. Isn't that the truth? And we have a sin nature. Isn't that the truth? That God has called us as Christians to live through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. This living transformed is called sanctification. That, that word appears over and over in Scripture. Sanctification really means to make holy. Romans 8.29 says, God will conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So we live in this polluted world. We have a sin nature. And, and let me share something with you. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't repented of your sin, believed the message of the gospel, and received Christ into your life, Okay, the word of God is just telling you one thing. Repent and give your life to Christ. Okay, for those of you that are Christians, the word of God is our guide. The word of God shows us the way. The word of God empowers us as Christians to walk in the way that God has called us to walk. And to live according to it. The question is, not should that verse work in my life. The question is for us as Christians, am I going to submit to that verse in my life? See, that's, the, that, that's, the, that's where the rubber meets the road. And so if you're taking notes, there's three truths of how the word of God intersects with our life towards transformation. So my daughter, she played Friday in, in field hockey for the States, and they lost, okay? And she was angry, and she was upset, and she was there for her teammates, and then she gets in the car, and she just starts weeping. She was so distraught. So we don't really say anything to her, and then she goes to bed, and the next morning, I'm thinking Joy comes in the morning, she should probably be better, right? I give her a scripture, and she's like, thanks, Dad. Yeah. And she just, it was so 
hard. Here's the thing. When tragedy strikes and someone gives you a verse, sometimes you don't feel better. Sometimes it just you're like, okay, I know that it's true, but it doesn't change my circumstances now. But we all do it. I lost my job. Well, there's a verse for that. What? My dad died. There's a verse for that. I just got divorced. There's a verse for that. Now, here's the deal. I'm not, dis- I'm not, listen to me, I'm not, I don't want you to think that I'm lessening the power and effectiveness of the word of God. Hear me. Christian, what I'm saying is this. There are verses for everything we need for life and godliness. Okay? But the question is, are we going to allow the word of God to transform us and not, and to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, and not just change the way that we live and change our behavior? So the thing with my daughter, I shared this with my daughter, and and so I'm sitting there and we're talking, and she says, what do you want, Dad? And I said, this is what I want. I want you to know that your labor's not in vain according because Jesus rose from the dead. That's all I want you to know. And the entire season wasn't a waste. And everything that you've done isn't a waste because I want you to know that I love you and I'm here if you want to grieve. Because the Bible says, weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. And so it's not... It's not whether or not it's true. It is true. The question is, are we going to do what the Bible says? See, most people hear the Bible, and it doesn't change them because they haven't submitted to it and allowed Christ to use it in their life to transform them. And so, therefore, what you're doing in that moment is you're fighting yourself. You're fighting the truth of God's word. Instead of just surrendering to it and saying, God, it doesn't make any sense, and I sure don't feel it, but God, I surrender it and I believe it. And so here's the three truths of how the Word of God intersects with our life towards transformation. Truth number one, Beth, verses 9 through 16. The Hebrew word here means house made virgin palace. That's how it's translated, that letter. Sin has given us a dirty soul. Isn't that the truth? But God uses the word of God to hold me from and teach me what is sin. Sin has given us a dirty soul, but God uses the word of God To hold me. A house, Beth, the word house, is a dwelling place. It holds the family. Made, that of purity, is a a lifestyle or choice in which they live and walk. 
So sin has given us a dirty soul, but God uses his word to hold me and to teach me what is sin. He does this through Christ. How can a young man keep his way pure? Now, every time you see the word way in Psalm 119, circle it. It, it, It's over and over again. Word and way, word and way, word and way, word and way. Okay? This is why this is so important. Because in John 14, Jesus said, I am the what? Way, the truth, and the life. So you want to know the way to walk in? Recognize that us as Christians were to walk in Christ. He is the way. It's through Christ that we know the way. Pastor Dave shared this last week. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 is through the washing of the word. Our souls are dirty, but the word comes in and washes us to take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. It holds me. The word of God holds fast to me. It teaches me what sin is and what sin is not. Why do we need the word of God in our life? Is it so that we can obey and do what it says? No, that's the after fact. Let me share it this way. It's no shave November. I'm not shaving, okay? Well, sort of, my neck and stuff, because I would look really scraggly. But So here's the thing. Every morning I wake up, and what do I need to do to my face? I need to shave it, right? But what do I use, what reveals to me that I need to shave? The mirror, right? And what do I have to pick up to shave? Razor, right? The razor is what cleans my face, not the mirror. The mirror just reveals to me that I need to shave, right? When we take the, if I took the mirror off the wall and tried to shave with it, that would be pretty stupid, right? Because it's not going to fix my face. There's not anything can fix my face. No, the reality is the word of God is not anything but the mirror. It reveals to me what is true and what is false. What is godly and what is not. How I'm to be held in his hands through the word of God and it teaches me in the way that I'm supposed to walk. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in riches. See, I don't take the mirror to shave. No, I use a razor to do that. And the entire idea here that that David is talking to Solomon and to us and teaching us is this. That just because God has come and the world that we live in is dirty and our soul is dirty, it doesn't mean there isn't a way through it. And that way is through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And there's nowhere you can go and there's nothing you can do that can escape The fact that God loves you and that he died on the cross for your sins and he bodily rose from the dead and he's not done with you. The issue and the reason you think you're done or that God's done with you is because of the tragedies or things that have happened in your life.
and you stop reading the word of God and you stop calling upon the Lord, and all of a sudden you realize that God is less because you're not allowing the word of God to hold you in that moment and to teach you what is truth and what is not truth, and so you start believing lies. Think about this. It's, it's like going, which would you rather? Would you rather go over a bridge with a thousand foot drop in a one lane car a mile with guardrails and lights or no guardrails and no lights and you have to go across the bridge in the darkness? Which would you rather do driving with a thousand foot drop? Go too far to the left, woo! <laughs> go too far to the right, woo! No, I, give me the guardrails, right? Of course I want the guardrails. That's the law of God. It demonstrates to me it's the light of the gospel. The gospel is the light. The guardrails are his word, and it teaches me to go in the way and the direction I'm supposed to go. And no matter how the road turns, no matter how the way gets, I know the way because I have the guardrails of the word of God, and I have the gospel giving me the light. And so if you can't find direction in your life, my question to you is, are you in the word? My question to you is, have you received and trusted the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me make a side note too. Parents, your children are living this way and driving across this bridge. And if you don't give them guideposts and you don't give them guardrails, they're going to go off the bridge. You have to give them the truth of God's word to give them the guardrails so that they don't fall off the bridge. Oh, well, I might, I might hurt my little baby. Hurt them. It's better to hurt them now, faithful are the wounds of a friend, than to pick up their broken and battered selves at the end of the thousand foot drop. Hurt them with the truth. Teach them. Say, listen, if you do that, this is what's going to happen. Here's the guardrail. This is why I'm asking you not to do this. Don't do this. We live in a society where the, the kids are, like, making the decisions for the parents. And I'm like, what, what's going on? My daughter tells me so all the time. I'm like, yeah, they just tell their parents what's up. I said, I just want you to know, if you tell me what's up, I'm going to tell you what's up. <laughs> she smiles and goes, I, I know, Dad, I know. No, see, it's through Christ we know the way. He holds us, he teaches us. It's through Christ, it's the washing of the word of God, and it's through the spirit of Christ, Romans 8, 9, that we know that God is holding us and teaching us the way in which we're to walk. That's why David says, hide the word of God in your heart and you won't sin against God. Fix your eyes on the ways. Delight your statutes. Gimel, number two. Let me say something real fast, though. 
that my favorite hymn is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And that part when it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Lord, to leave the God I love. I'm prone to wander because I'm not allowing the word of God to show me the way. I'm taking it upon myself to do it. In fact, Proverbs says it a little stronger as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. And, and often I'm constantly going back to my vomit. And I'm like, God, I, I need you to help me. I need you to guide me. It just means that I just got off the road and he puts me back on the road. The guardrails of the word come back up and I continue to live in the way and walk in the way he wants me to go. Truth number two, sin brings destruction and death. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But God uses the word of God to bless, counsel, and protect me. Now, what's gimel mean? Gimel means this. It's a Hebrew translation. It means to bestow on, deal bountifully with, to reward, to serve, to wean, or a weaned child. So the word of God here in this section, what he's saying is the word of God blesses us, it counsels us, and it protects us. We've got to delight in the word of God if we want to be blessed. Someone goes, man, I don't feel like God's blessing me. Well, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Sin brings destruction and death. And if it hasn't, just give it time. I promise it will. But God uses the word of God to bless, counsel, and protect me. Look what it says, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Why is his soul consumed with rules? Because he's experienced the blessing of God as he's obeyed his, the rules. And as he kept the word of God. People go, man, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to do what the Bible says in regards to money. Or I don't want to do what the Bible says in regards to my time. I don't want to do what the Bible says in regards to my family. When you omit the word of God from one area of your life, I promise it will not be blessed. The word of God has to intersect every aspect of your life. And the question is, are you going to submit to it or not? Are you going to do what the Bible says or not? It's not that the Bible, is it true or false? No, the Bible is true. The question is, are you going to live it or not? And someone goes, well, I haven't experienced it yet. Just give it time. 
I remember I was out in the sun, and I was so tired, and I fell asleep while my kids were, and my wife, and they were all playing, and I fall asleep in the sun. And an hour and a half later, without any suntan oil or anything on it, I was really, really sore. And I said, I was only out here, and then I looked down, and I thought it was an hour and a half. It was actually three hours. I was like a lobster. Hey, hey, hey. I was like a lobster. Just on one side, though. (laughs) Just as the sun starts to cook you over time, so the word of God will start to transform you over time. It doesn't happen instantly. It just takes time. Because what's God doing? He's conforming us. It's this process of conforming us in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He's he's blessing us. He's giving us counsel when we delight in his word. God's word opens me up. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. That means soul and spirit. What's the, the spirit? Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, soul, my emotions and how I feel. The word of God comes and divides those because sometimes I feel like the spirit and what I want are the same and they're not. You want to experience transformation in your prayer life? Start praying what the Bible says and remind God what his word says and trust that God's word is true and say, God, your word says this, so this is what I'm standing on. It's all I have to stand on. And you'll start seeing success in your prayer life. Stop praying for what you want. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Allow the word of God to transform you. And to take your desires out of the equation. And then you can trust God and say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Third thing is this. Third truth is this. Sin brings confusion. Daleth, door, gate, branches. That's what it means. Now, Christ is the door. Christ is the gate, John 10. John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Sin brings confusion, but God uses the word of God to bring understanding, clarity, and a pathway for me. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. There's the word ways again. You answered me. Teach me your statutes. David in Psalm 103 says, He made his ways known unto Moses and his acts unto the people of Israel. My prayer is always, God, teach me your ways. I don't want to know your acts. I can see your acts. I can see what you're doing. I want to know your ways. Because when I know the ways of God and the character of God, and then then I understand what he's doing better. It's like going to a, a homeless man who has nothing and asking him for a million dollars. It's not going to get you anything. Even if he had a million dollars, he probably wouldn't give it to him because that's not in his character because all he knows is to beg to get. But consider the source. 
He doesn't have anything. But yet I'm asking. No, when we know God, we know who he is. We know his ways. We know how he is according to his word. And so therefore, we're going to conform our desires and our lives to the image of Christ. And as we know God, we know what he wants for our life. He brings clarity. And when we're walking in other things, we don't have the clarity. See, sin brings confusion. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Here. This is what we do. I love it when people come into me and they're so spiritual. Man, God told me to tell you something. They come in, man, God told me to tell you something. I want to tell you something. And then they say something. And, and before they say it, I go, wait, 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 where? Where did he tell you to tell me? Where? Because God's not going to tell you anything that's apart from his word, outside his word. People go, well, the spirit of God's telling me one thing, and the word of God's saying something else. I'm confused. Maybe the spirit you're listening to isn't the spirit of God, because God's never going to violate his word. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's what keeps us pure in this dirty world. It washes over us, even though the evil and the pollution is getting all on us. Remember in the 80s, like acid rain? Oh, don't go out. It's acid rain. I'm going to burn. I'm going to burn my skin. We're going to have all these acid rainstorms. And by the time it's 2020, I remember this. I read this in a book. When I was a kid, acid rain's probably going to destroy us by 2020. I went out in the rain the other day. I didn't get burned. But I go out in the sun, I get burned. No, sin brings confusion. But God uses the word of God to bring understanding and clarity for me. God is clear in his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of his saints. God is not about confusing us. So people go, man, I don't understand, man. I read the Bible, and one translation says this, and another translation says this. Okay, there's two reasons why there's so many translations. I'm going to give them to you. Ready? One is grade level. The reading is grade level. The ESV is written in a ninth grade reading level. I like the NLT. It's a fifth grade reading level. King James, 12th grade reading level. That's the first reason. They're all written in different grade levels. Secondly, the reason that there's so many different translations is because every publisher wants to make a buck. I've got 60 Bibles on my shelf, 60 different translations, and I bought them all. Now, here's the deal. It's not confusing. God's word is true. All of it's true. There's some translations that are better than others, yes. But here's the deal. The, the main translations we have are from God's word. And if you don't believe me, learn the Greek and Hebrew. Okay? Learning Hebrew is like taking a chicken, putting his feet in ink, having him walk across paper, and then someone handing it to you and saying, read it. <laughs> but learn it anyway. It's the language we'll probably be speaking in heaven. 
No, here's the deal. It, God's word is clear. And God's word must master my life. 2 Timothy 2.7. It's got to master my life. It's the door. It's the gate. Look what it says here in verse 29. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I've chosen the way. There's the way again of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. Because what's the byproduct? I will run in the way. There's the way again of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I think of the Grinch that stole Christmas where his heart is real little and then it like grows real big. When you're in the word of God, what happens is, is you start to become more compassionate towards people. You start, to, you start to recognize that it's not about you. You start to recognize that it's not about the things that you want. You recognize that it's, it's all about what the Lord wants, and in that he enlarges your heart so that you watch those Publix commercials during the season and you start like, eh, the Kroger commercial about all the foster kids. It's a cartoon already. And you just start like, you, you start empathizing. And you start thinking, man, there's kids out there. Your heart gets bigger. Because the word of God starts to take your heart and enlarge it and change it. Because it's conforming it into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. When the word of God washes over you, you're changed. And it's not that we hear the word of God. And I want to close with this. Daily feasts on Christ's word, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. To know Christ is to know his word, and to know his word is to know Christ. As the worship team comes up, I want to close with this. This was never more real to me than when it intersected my life. I remember my wife and I, I was a pastor several years ago, and, and we didn't have two nickels to rub together because it's not like pastors make a ton of money, okay? We're blessed. I don't do this for the money. We don't do this, okay? We do this because God's called us. But I remember when we didn't have anything, and, and I remember praying, and I remember thinking, man, God, you're not enough I don't have this and I don't have this and I don't have this and I want you to be enough in my life but you're not enough because I don't have those things because I, I don't have this and I'm feeling bad because I can't give this to my wife and I can't give this to my kids and so God I don't get it I want you to be enough and I want you But I want these things too. And I remember having this argument with God, and God was just like, go to the Word. And I started reading the Word, and I just kept reading and reading and reading. And I got to this point where I read this In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything, God, I don't want to give thanks. See, there's the submission part that comes in. He gives me the word, and I go, man, I don't want to give thanks because I don't have what I want. In everything, give thanks. 
And it was at that point then that I go, okay, God, I'm going to do what your word says. It doesn't make sense to me, and I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. And I started thanking him for everything I had, not thanking him for what I didn't have. God, thanks for the air. Thanks for water. Thanks for this. Thanks for this. And I realized it was like God was just like coming over me in that moment because nothing changed except me. He transformed me through his word. And I started thanking him for my kids. And I started thanking him for my wife. And I, and I started thanking him for the things that he had given me. And I was so thankful in this moment that it was like God was like, look, do you understand what I'm doing for you? Because if I'm not enough with what you don't have, I'm never going to be enough when you do get it. I'm never going to be enough when I bless you with it. And so in that moment, I just recognized it. I was like, God, I submit to your word. I submit to what you want me to do. And I'm going to do what your word says. And you might be here today, and this might not make sense to you, but let me share something with you. Start thanking him for what you don't have. Start thanking him. Look at the scripture and do what it says. I promise it will transform you. It will conform you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And because, like, verses that don't make sense to me, Jesus hanging on the cross looking and saying, Father, forgive them, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, he was submitted to the Father. And he submitted to the fact that God wanted him to forgive. And so he forgave those that put him on the cross. If Christ can do that, then I can thank him for what I don't have. Church, we need to be people that aren't just hearers of the word, but are doers of the word. We need to be people that submit ourselves to the truth of God's word. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Precious Father, there's people here, Lord God, that are hurting. And they're wrestling and they're fighting you. God, your word is truth and we know it. It doesn't make it easy to obey and submit to it, God. But we ask, Lord God, that we would submit to it. As David said, Lord God, I, I want to meditate on your law. I want your statutes to be there. It's what I want to cling to. It's what I desire. God, help us. Lord, I pray for those people that are here that maybe don't know you as Lord and Savior. They've never trusted you as Lord and Savior. They've never submitted to, to the gospel, Lord God. So I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would save them, that they would call upon you and you would save them, that they would come forward to the people under the screens, Lord God, and they would say, I'm ready to give my life to Christ, or I'm, 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 I want to give my life to Christ. I pray that they would do that now would get up and they would move, Lord God. I pray for us as Christians, Lord God, that are living our life without the, 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 the embankments, Lord God, living our lives without the guardrails, Lord God, because the word of God is not preeminent in our life. It's not important enough in our life to put him as guardrails. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that these guardrails, Father, 
would go into our life, Lord God, so we would know the way to walk in. Because, Lord Jesus, you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for being enough. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray.